This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. This is the Project Dublin Podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. I'm your host, Nick Larson. On this episode of the show, we close out 2019 and welcome in 2020. Joined by AJ DeRosa and Chet Hervey of Northwoods Collective. Welcome to the show for episode number 87. is presented by onyx hunt and i want to take just a minute to thank all of our partners on the project up and podcast that made it possible all year long most of whom will be with us in 2020 making the show possible again in the new year a huge thank you goes out to our partners on the podcast onyx hunt pine ridge grouse camp dog trick callers yukonuba dog food gum leaf usa Gordian Sons Outfitters, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Of course, the Project Upland podcast would not be possible without our loyal listeners, the reason that we produce the show, and will continue to do so in 2020. Thank you to everybody that listened to the Project Upland podcast. We appreciate your support, and we've got some great things coming for you in 2020. 
With that said, we're keeping the intro very short this week. We're going to jump into a conversation with some familiar voices on the Project Upland podcast, creative director of Project Upland, AJ DeRosa, as well as managing partner at Northwoods Collective, Chet Hervey. We take a look back at some of the things we did in 2019, and we look ahead to what will be coming your way in 2020. Before we jump into the show today, I just want to take another moment to sincerely thank everybody that has listened to the Project Upland podcast in 2019. Hope to have you back in 2020. I wish you the best, and I wish you a very happy new year to you and your families. Thanks for listening, everybody. Let's jump into today's show and welcome into the conversation and onto the Project Upland podcast, AJ DeRosa and Chet Hervey. All right, guys, let's do it. Project Upland podcast year end recap Christmas party, New Year's party. This is kind of like our whole this is our whole deal here right now. We got the Project Upland podcast coming to you right towards the end of the year. We're going to hopefully launch this on New Year's Eve. So this will be kind of our New Year's celebration. We're going to look back. We're going to look ahead. And I am joined by two hopefully familiar voices. If you listen to the podcast about a year ago, we did a podcast similar to introduce you to two of the people that are oftentimes maybe consider a little bit more behind the scenes with with Project Upland and everything that we have going on. But you got to know him a little bit last year. We brought him back this year. We're going to have a little bit of fun this evening and and enjoy this. But let's introduce our guests. We got first up, creative director of Project Upland, AJ DeRosa. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having us on. And how many years has this been for your podcast now? You're pushing over two, right? So yeah, it's we launched, the first episode was September of 2017. So we are, we are fully past two years of the Project Upland podcast, diving into year number three. And, and Facebook told me that we've been friends for four years on Facebook. Wow. I didn't know that. That's great. I felt like longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. It sounds about right. I guess we knew each other for a couple of years prior to actually kicking off the podcast. But uh, yeah, that sounds about right. And next up, we got the guy that you probably don't hear from as much. Last year, you learned a little bit about him if you listen to this podcast, but he's he's much more behind the scenes. He's kind of a, he holds everything together and he pulls lots of strings too. Chad, how's it going, man? Yeah, it makes <laughs> you sound like the puppet master. I've been through it, guys. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, I think that's kind of the role you play. As long as if someone else pulls my trigger and helps me hit more birds, then, then that's a good trade, you know? You, you keep the bell, the bills paid and everybody in line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> on, ske- on schedule on track yeah so and if, I, and if we owe you money and you're listening to this yeah any any outstanding invoices will be paid promptly <laughs> that's right that's right aj most folks probably know you're out in new england but let's let's kind of do the the typical project Dublin checklist and uh work, put us on the map where are you at yeah i'm in uh central new hampshire this year is since project Dublin started is the year i did the least amount of travel so um that's good. And meaning I, I stayed in New England um, and I did a lot of grouse hunting in New England this year, which which I was really excited about because, uh, you know, my dog with a uh, wired haired pointing Griffon Grimm, he's three years old right now. So it was really cool to to get a season really under our belt that we weren't kind of all over the place or I wasn't with him to hunt or, you know, whatnot. So that's where I am. Yeah, I know that was a goal of yours going into the year to hopefully travel a little bit less. So it's good to hear that that actually came true for you and you got to do more hunting or hunting around home. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. It was uh, definitely not as many grouse as there was that last year, but there were still plenty of grouse. <laughs> so 
and the uh, Woodcock migration was welcome as always. It was a little funky this year. Although, you know, I, I I feel like I was in a lot of places for a long period of time, like northern New Hampshire, northern Maine, that I don't normally spend huge amounts of time in at this point in my life. So I was there constantly. You know, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'll make a three-hour drive up to a grouse cover hunt all day and then drive home the same night. And I was doing that just about every day the whole season. So, um, or staying over in some cases and whatnot. And I hunted Maine a fair bit this year, which is the first time I really spent some time hunting Maine, which was cool. And um, I still always found myself back in Northern New Hampshire. So it's, uh, you know, you know, comfort food, you know, you just go back to where you used to. I chased the woodcock migration as far as Connecticut this year. I, I was positive this was the year i was gonna go uh, i was gonna follow them all the down to new jersey but uh not th- not this year so didn't get down there no no and i don't think next year is going to be it either but we'll get into that later on <laughs> yeah. yeah your grill season is still open but i imagine you guys have some snow out there and you're not hitting it quite as hard yeah um we're open till the 31st in new hampshire and where i live um this is the worst year i moved up here three years ago and I only saw one grouse in the area where I live in central New Hampshire this year. Tons of woodcock. The woodcock hunting was phenomenal. So, you know, good grouse hunting, really good grouse hunting. I drive about three hours north and there's, you know, three, four feet of snow up there right now. And it's just not even worth getting up there. So then we got about, I'd say six inches of snow around here. So I'll take out Grim for a couple more hunts before the 31st. And honestly, it's going to be, I, I, I just... I don't feel right shooting a grouse around here anymore just because of how few I've been seeing. So I'll just take out the phone and if he goes on point, I'll record it and I'll probably carry my gun just so he thinks we're at it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> other than that, I, my, my season's over. And most folks know that I'm in Minnesota, so I got the Midwest covered and then we, uh, we hop out West chat. Where are you at? You're, I know you're not at home today, but you got, uh, you cover the West region for us. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm in uh, I'm in the Idaho chimney or the Panhandle. So I'm up uh, in North Idaho, uh, Moscow area, and out on the you know, the Palouse. So lots of rolling wheat fields and all kinds of beans, <laughs> lentils, <laughs> peas, and uh, garbanzos, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, lots of California made, quail. Lots of yeah, lots of California quail. Yeah, um, yeah right. Like Californians can't stay out of Idaho, so everyone's moving there. Actually, I heard that there's 70 people every single day that are moving to Boise. So really? it's like a full blown invasion. So as long as they bring the quail with them, it's not that bad of a, <laughs> not that bad of a deal. But uh, no, a lot of pheasant too. So um, you know that's kind of the the main the two main quarries. Uh, and actually, and I I live about oh nine miles from the Washington border. So I do a lot of hunting in Washington too. So I've uh, I bounce back and forth between the two states uh, fairly you know, regularly. And yeah, I mean, it's been a great season so far. Pheasant has been a little bit harder to come by than just experientially than in the past couple of years, but uh, quail has been really abundant. And uh, yeah, so it's been good. My son actually uh, hunted his, his first season. He hunted last year. Idaho has the passport program. And so he was able to get out a few times um, with me, but wasn't able to get any birds. Um, but then this year uh, he got his license. He got his license the day the day that youth season opened, he he passed his test, got his hit uh, for hunter safety, got his license on Saturday, and then we went hunting on Sunday at a little um, an access yes uh, youth area, and he shot his first bird on the wing. So I was pretty fired up about that. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, actually, I just got I literally like 
10 seconds ago, got an, a voicemail came through that I think is my taxidermist that's mounting it for him. Uh-huh. So, so uh, I got it. Go I gotta him. ask, Chet, is it a better looking bird than your first? Yeah, oh dude, yeah, it was actually a really nice looking bird. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh yeah, and actually uh I told my son, oh, how do you want it mounted? And of course, as any ten year old, he's like, I want it flying dad. So it's a full blown, <laughs> like, you know, spread wing bank it's yeah. called the the banking turn or whatever. And so so he's pretty excited. And of course my wife's horrified and she's like, Where are we gonna put that? Because uh <laughs> There's no more room on top of the piano, and so I said, "Well, it's going to go on above his- your above your bed, of course." <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously, yeah. No, it's actually going to be, uh, yeah, in his room. So, <laughs> so uh, that worked out really nice. So you mentioned a couple things there. I just want to educate myself and maybe others listening. What is the passport program? Uh, the passport is in in Idaho. Um, you can hunt without a hunting license as long as you're with a licensed hunter. I think 21 or older. And so it's kind of a, a really, really awesome program to to kind of really encourage mentorship. And so um, if you're underage, if you're you know nine or nine or younger, you could hunt on it, uh, but you can't do anything big game or anything like that. You could just hunt upland and think waterfowl. And then, uh, but if you're ten or older, I mean, you could take someone deer hunting. They got to buy a deer tag, but the passport's like oh, twelve bucks or something. So it's a pretty pretty rad way that someone could actually spend an entire season hunting on it. So. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've encouraged a lot of people uh, and, you know, people that I've encouraged to come out with me said, hey, all you got to do is just get the passport. Because, you know, again, the intimidation of like, am I really going to be into it? Don't Gun safety. Spend, yeah, I don't want to spend yep. all this time, you know, yep. um, doing the all the hunter education if if this isn't for me. And so it's a really cool test drive. And again, you know, I mean, frankly, it's like, yeah, the the the, the online components to gun safety and whatnot are great. But it's kind of like I would much rather bring someone with me, show them gun safety versus them watch a bunch of videos online and be like, okay, now they're good. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? So, yeah. so I mean, and even the field day, I mean, again, Idaho does a phenomenal job and this is actually really cool. Um, this is completely sidetracked from everything we're talking about, but it was a nightmare trying to actually book a class. Like we had to drive two hours from my house because it was, everything was sold out. I mean, it was like every single class, there were four classes going at, I mean, there must've been 40 people in every class um, when my son was doing his test. And I mean, I would say more than half of them were, were women in their twenties. I mean, it was like incredible, just the, uh, the, the wave of interest and participation. So it was really yeah. encouraging at the end of the day that I was, you know, I actually, I, I think I called AJ, I go, yeah, hunting's dying. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And of okay. course for, for, for him to connect and literally the next day, was pretty exciting. And then actually we went out like two days later, I uh, just got him after school and we ran out to this, uh, another access. Yes. Where it was. So, so quail was open for me, but pheasant wasn't, it was, it was youth week. And I think it a week before season opens. And so of course I was carrying my gun, but of course I wasn't going to shoot any pheasants. And we moved like 10 roosters, just yeah. big, I mean, some <laughs> big, big birds and not a single quail, of course. And he missed all of them, <laughs> but he missed every single one. So it was like, it was just one of those like serendipitous moments where it was like he nailed that first bird on the wing, just beautiful shot. And, uh, but then that was it. <laughs> so <laughs> he hasn't got another one yet. So, uh, but it's been fun. I'm guessing he wants to go again though. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. We actually, we went out on Christmas Eve and, uh, got into a couple quail, actually the same spot that AJ shot his California quail. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I was actually with, with Owen shotgun. With Owen's shotgun, that's right. He, 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 has a new, he has a different one now. He's using a little 870 pump, you know, youth model that 
I think fits him a little bit better. And I only let him have two. I only let him have two shots, so I keep the plug long. <laughs> so my eight eight seventy U still fits me. So I wish he had. Uh, <laughs> he had had that when I was out there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he took a couple shots, and uh, yeah, again, I mean, he's actually a really good shot. I mean, we we go shoot clays, and he's he's dead nuts. But I mean, it just hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't been able to connect. I think maybe it's the the uh, the excitement, the well, adrenaline yeah. of the bird. Yep. It's just kind of like he was all like cool hand Luke, you know, for the first <laughs> Sure, sure. But now, but now it's like, okay, you know, now now reality is set in. I'm like, now you feel like dad, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn to live with it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's the long game, though. That's gonna get that's gonna get him into it. You know the challenges. Oh no, no. Trust me, we went up. We went to the the counter to buy his license, and uh, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll take. Uh, you know, we went to basically just the basic small game hunting license. Yeah. Already just the basic hunting license, and he says, oh yeah, I said, can we get a duck stamp? I'm like. <laughs> Like, like who who do you know the duck hunts you know like, like, like who's gonna take you my dog doesn't swim you know so so reading those uh project upland puddle jumping articles that's what i'm saying right yeah but actually you had that river through that spot that we hunted aj like something just yeah I remember we jumped all those ducks that day and i was like dude you need to be shooting those ducks <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but you're carrying lead in the gun then you're you're well, I switched to all steel man that's all you gotta do right but anyway yeah. we um so I'm like, okay, fine. You know, obviously, like, just buy the stamp, support the cause, whatever. And then I'm, he's like, is that it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. And he's like, give me a deer tag while you're at it. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you shoot a deer? Like, all of a sudden, it was like escalating, like, way out of my control. And so, yep. tag. So, uh, that's what I'm saying. But then all of a sudden, I started doing the math. I'm like, we can shoot two deer. I was like, hold on. <laughs> I was like, let's, let's yeah. as a family, this is a lot of meat in the freezer. So yes. Let's go ahead and get them everything, and then uh, so then they actually asked me last night. He's like, "Dad, when are we going to start muzzle loading?" I'm like, "Okay." Like, <laughs> so I, you can say he's hooked, which is a good. Yeah, you're in for it. There, I would say. I, no, I am. Be, I am. You're going to be acquiring some gear and equipment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so I did have a suspicion that the that was the passport program was something like that. We do have an apprentice program here in Minnesota that works similarly. So that's cool. What about those? access points did i understand correctly like are those those actually like youth only hunting spots uh in there's some of each so um, okay there's basically the access yes that's it's a whole program for landowners can designate their land and they get tax breaks okay so that's just wide open yeah yeah it's it's private land that they've made a public access for and then um but some of them are designated youth only and uh so which which i think is 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 cool um and so, you know, we found uh, – it's actually not far again from that spot that AJ and I hunted was uh, they have a little youth-only area there. And, and again, I mean, and this is, again, not some weird sponsor plug, but using Onyx, it's like they even have their own pattern where it's like you find the little really bold border around it with the dots in the middle and boom, access, yes, done. And then uh, hyperlink straight to the state website where you can – and uh, Idaho uses uh, – or at least the landowners use like sign up genius where you just kind of put your name in your license plate number. Like, Hey, I'm going to be hunting on this day. That way they're aware of who's on the land, which is again, it's super simple. And you fill out a card, you know, if you harvest anything or if you kill any birds and yeah, it's pretty sweet. That is cool. I've seen some various, you know, similar programs when you have private access to or public access to private land, they'll have different setups in different States. But yeah, it sounds like you guys actually have a pretty, I would say like, forward thinking, pretty easy to use system. 
Yeah, no, it's it's really really brainless. I mean, as far as it goes, it's like you just you you sign up for an account on the sign up genius that has all your information. You just basically click, you know, this is the day I'm going. And I mean, I've done it like literally driving, not not in a moving car, but like at a red light, like I'm coming, click, done, and right. ready to go. So it's super easy. You know, man, there's big game, and they, but they limit. They'll be like, okay, you can only have you know two or three big game hunters per day, but they'll kind of go as many upland hunters as want to. It's, I mean, it's thousands of acres um, ultimately, and that's not even counting like all the lumber companies in the area because not far from all the rolling wheat fields are, you know, the whole logging industry was huge for you know for 150 years up there, and there's still plenty of timber companies, and they'll let you get in there. It's all public access. You just register with their office and say, hey, you know, I hunt up here. That's where I kill all my turkeys. That's that's where I deer hunt. That's where I grouse hunt. You know, early in the season. And so yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. Beyond getting your son his first bird, you also welcomed a new four-legged companion into the into the crew this year. Tell us about that. I did, yeah. So, um, you know, my ideal window was I wanted dogs that were going to be four years apart. But my breeder um, down in southern Idaho, he's like 90. And uh, when I picked up my dog, you know, three years ago uh, or two and a half years ago, I kind of told him, hey, you know, he actually kind of mentioned in passing, you know, I'm kind of thinking about hanging up the spurs, you know, and I go, Oh man, you know, okay. That's so six months. Um, or I guess probably like about a year ago now I just emailed him. I said, Hey, you know, I know that you're kind of winding things down, but I definitely want to get another dog from you before you call it quits. And, uh, okay, Oh great. Thanks. Put you on the list. And then like six months later, he just emails me and he's like, Hey, this is probably the last litter or second to last litter. You know, do you still want one? And of course, like this is way ahead of my time, my time. Yep. Yeah. It's like I looked at my wife and I was like, ah, I think we got to do this. And uh, <laughs> and then it was actually the same biological mom and dad of Pearl, my first dog. And so, then oh, really? Pearl. Yeah. So it's kind of a no brainer. Like, you know, she turned out just so phenomenal. It's like, okay, yeah, we're in. And so a month later, we went and picked up a puppy. And uh, that was in, um, I guess it would have been August, into uh, yeah. August, September. And so, yeah, she's been, uh, it's been interesting to see the, the difference in personalities, you know, even even though they're, they're still very, it's funny, their mannerisms and stuff, they have the same kind of things. And, uh, but then she got really sick. It was like kind of mystery disease and, and, uh, you know, I mean, four different antibiotics, like all kinds of stuff. And then, uh, we thought she was pretty much going to die and then, uh, kind of made it through like a really long night, ER visits, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, turned out we think she may have something that's a little bit autoimmune disease. So, kind of like no cause, no cure type thing. And it's just managing the symptoms. And we won't know for sure, you know, until something else happens. But at least we know like pretty ri- pretty rigorous steroid, you know, um, uh, cycle of steroids kind of kicks it out and, and helped her get back on her feet. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, she's a great little dog and, and looking forward to getting her out in the spring and start really putting it to her. And uh, but again, you kind of makes you a little bit nervous in the back of your head, like, can my dog handle the stress of, sure, you know, like a, a hard, hard hunt, that kind of thing. So that's kind of all to be seen. And if yeah. I'd be really bummed, I mean, obviously like, you know, she's our pet first. And so, so, you know, she's not going anywhere, but you know, it may, it may kind of scuttle my plans to have to be running two dogs, but you know, what can you do? You, uh, you never mentioned the breed. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a Brock. <laughs> it's, it's a Brock. So obscure. 
Yeah, you got <laughs> well, he, he assumed that the Project Album listeners are so loyal, they all remember <laughs> him talking about <laughs> Pearl last he doesn't. Year he doesn't no. have his first season film like me. No, so. that's right. No, if, if only I could, uh, if only I have done something to help the breed, you know, expand and survive by just making people aware that it exists, it's fantastic. Yeah. And so no, it's, it's, a, it's a Brock du Bourbonnet, which is a fancy way of saying kind of like a, uh, I don't know, they're related to like the Brock Francais and the Brock Auvergnes and all those kinds they of look like, uh They look like blonde German short hair pointers. But. Well, there's two different colorings. So so Pearl is liver. Or, yeah, so at least Pearl. The, yeah, the yeah. Brown, they're, they're just freckled. They're freckled. <laughs> you know, they don't have, they usually don't have any spots. They're just all ticked. And then, uh, and but June is a uh, is fawn, which is the blonde kind of color. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost I like remember. it's almost like a yellow or or you know what do they call the pointer um, coloring? So uh, I, yeah, I remember hunting with Pearl when we were out in Montana, and she just <laughs> she had her legs under her, and she would just be like, boom, oh, just yeah. beeline <laughs> five hundred yards in one direction, only yeah. to look back at us like, are you coming? <laughs> yeah. where are you guys at i mean that was that was her first real hunt you know that was the, the, when we did that in montana so yeah she's she's reined it in now she's a little more hey she pointed you know. me a california quail that's right no she nailed three really really nice <laughs> points on christmas eve and i haven't hunted her i mean I was, and that was her first year right on the when last I year yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah literally her first hunt i mean her first hunt of real wild birds ever yeah so that was she did really well yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, she's she's develop she's developing into a pretty nice bird dog, that's for sure. So can't yeah. complain. She's a sweetheart. She makes you. We did a what a nine hour drive. <laughs> yeah, cuddled up between me and uh, Chet and shifted between either laying on Chet's arm as he was driving or laying on my arm and just giving you those up eyes, looking at you like. Oh no! No, no. I, <laughs> no, I, I was out in Wyoming hunting with um, with uh, Sam stein and uh oh, and, yeah. per- and pearl insisted on on actually sitting on his lap so ah. like, oh, well, now, she, uh, she did do that a little bit with me she wants to and like and like she just jumped right up there and and that was kind of the assumed position and bandit was in the back seat and it was like <laughs> pearl was in sam's lap and it was like that's just how we're gonna do this so yeah so well, that's not have, have appreciated that situation what's that I feel, I feel like the jealousy would have been coming through on that Oh, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. But Grim would have lost his mind, dude. He would have been like, "Nope, that's my dad." <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say that our our buddy Sammy is. He's certainly that would be. He'd be used to having a dog on his lap in a truck because he did not. He does not does not crate his dog. And I recall when I was in Lander visiting Sam and his buddy Tyler, we were driving around the mountains, and I was in the back seat, and Bandit was basically laying on me in the back seat of Sammy's car. <laughs> well, well, and, and Sam texts me like every other week or so, and like, "Hey, how's Pearl doing?" Like, he doesn't even ask about me, right? Yeah, he's like, "Hey, sit, hey, hey is that the way everything is though?" Me and you oh. text each other. Hey, we're yeah. like, I'm like, "Hey, how's Pearl doing?" And you're like, well, "Party." Hey, you send, know? send me pics. <laughs> send me pics of Pearl. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Last year, you and I exchanged all sorts of pictures through the season, and then this year. Yeah. The only picture we exchanged was Owen with his first pheasant. And I was yeah. just like, dude, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I sent you. And we I never, did. we didn't really exchange pictures after that because, and I think it was kind of like this unspoken thing that we never even thought about that was like, how can you one up that? 
I sent you Pearl's first grouse, first rough grouse of the season too. Yes, you did do that. You did send the the rough grouse oh. pictures been around because you like to tease me and Nick that you have to kick them to make them fly. That's right. Yeah, That's right. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, rough grouse in Idaho are not the same species. No, rough grouse unflushious. No, seriously, like yeah, Idaho. I talk, I talked to all my buddies who like el- who elk hunt backcountry and stuff, and they're just like, "You you hunt those?" And they're like, "Yeah, like we'll just we'll just shoot them with our bows, like if we're bored." I'm like, "Yeah, exactly." I feel like I feel like me and Nick just got to come through and just tear up the west. <laughs> yeah, we've, 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 no, like you know, plague. no, I got I, I got to shoot I got to shoot a, a big old um, male dusky, and man, that was a monster. Because I've actually never shot a male rough grouse. I've, I've shot three or four females. I mean, there's not super plentiful, but, um, you mean dusky or roughed? No. So I shot, I've shot a couple female. I never shot a male rough grouse, but we were like 10,000 feet, which is insanity trying to like freaking hump it up the mountains at 10,000 feet. Yeah. And there was just duskies everywhere. And I shot a big old male. I mean, just like gotcha. beautiful, beautiful band, the whole thing. And I was, I mean, just the size of it. I mean, it was like a small Turkey. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like, Looking at this ticker, we have eaten up so much time. <laughs> well, we've definitely talked about a number of things. I'm going to steer us towards. I'll I'll do my hosting duties now, AJ. I'm going to steer us towards. We're, we're basically segueing in. I do want to take a look back at 2019, and then we'll use this sort of look back in 2019 to segue us into our biggest project to date that we worked on in 19 that's going to be releasing in 2020. But before we do that, a couple other things happened in 2019, basically project Upland listen. So we moved into an era of where it's not only the project Upland podcast. We also have other podcasts under the umbrella. Um, the other one being gun dog notebook with Darrell Smith, which hopefully a lot of people listening to this have listened to that. We also have project Upland on the go, which is, some of the articles that are on the website that are read by most often AJ and Chad. No, I think Chad's done equally. Yeah. If you can't get enough of our voices, then go ahead and listen to those. Yeah. We, we've been again, hunting season happened. And so we're going to get yeah. back. We're, we're going to, we're going to get back on. All right. So project up and listen, we were talking about that a little bit. I think we covered it. You know, we have multiple podcasts and that's really, you know, there's not a whole lot to it other than these podcasts sort of, they stand up on their own. You could come about them any other way that you would find a normal podcast, but we also have a, a friendly little place for all of the Project Help and Listen podcasts on the website. And that's a place where you can find them as well. Anything else there, guys? Yeah. And uh, past that kind of on the go thing is an initiative that we, Chet and I kind of schemed in 2019, again, talking about new things in the future. Edmund Davis's Woodcock Shooting, which was written in the early 1900s, I want to say 1908, around there. That number is probably not accurate. Google it. (laughs) We have now hired a professional narrator who is reading books for us. Um, Woodcock Shooting, which will come out probably in January. We got to go through like the Audible submissions, Google Play, stuff like that. Um, It is finished. Um, We'll be coming out. So our idea, again, is uh, in this case is making literary classics about where upland hunting was 100 years ago or more available to people so that people can consume these books. Drives home and work. It's about lowering barriers to entry. It's 
So the big thing that you'll see in 2020 is that there's a really epic writer that we got access to all of his books um, and the rights to all the audio, audio rights for it. And that's like a huge deal. I don't even want to say the name, but like it's a bomb drop for 2020 and we are going to tear through his books. And there's some of it, even like Edmund Davis, it's when I was writing the forward for it, we felt it was important to write a forward for it because he talks about Woodcock counts. And this was previous to there being a three Woodcock limit, which is a federal limit in every state. So they would put, they would be a body count, you know, and they would keep school. They were proud of that. Nevertheless, this guy was an advocate of conservation in his time, advocated against summer woodcock hunting in uh, Canada, which is a really unusual thing. I didn't even know it was a thing until this book, you know. So it's important that we remember where we came from to understand where we're going, really, you know. So we're taking a real initiative this year. Um, we have, and even in our articles, to make sure that we're spending time to talk about the history of where upland hunting was. So we can learn from everything from the things people learn before us that still hold true today to the mistakes that might be relevant and the things that we hold dear a hundred years ago that, you know, I, I, in that forward wrote about how he was talking about Woodcock flying into telegraph lines. And I remember downtown Boston and I would find Woodcock dead on state street, which is, you know, the heart of skyscrapers in Boston. And there would be Woodcock dead from flying into skyscrapers. It's just this exchange of, same values, different time. And I think it's important that we look back and understand these things. So that's a huge initiative, these Audible books coming out in 2020. Um, it's going to be ongoing. I'm not sure that we'll stop <laughs> at any point creating Audible books. And again, the idea is so people can listen to them to and from work, driving on a road trip to go bird hunting, traveling on an airplane, whatever it is. I mean, I know for me, for somebody that spends a lot of time traveling, Audible is so important to me being able to listen to books, learn new information, podcasting. It's just such an important form of media that uh, we're really tackling aggressively in 2020. And actually, I have a great segue for you, Nick, by the way. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I'm going to I'm gonna host duty in a minute for a minute here. <laughs> so rest assured that you won't have to hear AJ and I reading Woodcock Shooting. <laughs> we, we actually, there's actually a professional actor, voice actor, that actually did the recording and it's incredible. And um, he's going to be doing all of our future ones. And actually I was just thinking about this, Nick, we got to make sure that we get you a sample of Woodcock shooting. Cause even if you just hear the first couple pages, it'll be like, I got to hear more. I mean, it's, well, it's- I actually meant to forward the email or the Dropbox files of all of it for Nick to tear through. But I think what we should do, and this is just us musing out loud. So <laughs> podcast audience reach out and tell us if we should do it. I think we should release a single chapter on the Project Upland podcast. Well, let's yeah. do it. Let yeah. Nick yes. do some commentary before. Let Nick give yeah, I'll listen to it. I'll do the intro. We'll do the whole thing. We'll, we'll make an episode out of it. It's a great opportunity for people to hear the quality of the work. And if you and if you need to know, and if you need to know the voice of the the guy behind the the audio book, his name's Justin Spencer, and he's actually the voice. You've already heard his voice before, and you've heard it if you've seen the Public Grouse trailer. Yes, because. I forgot about that. Yes, yes. He, he, we we <laughs> and, and actually, if you watched our uh, the the spot that we did with Gunner Kennels, he's also oh, a yeah. voice in that, and he is uh, the voice in some work we did for the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. So we've used him quite a bit. He's got a um, he's very versatile. <laughs> so yeah, so if you want to get a taste of hunter, 
and a bird hunter. Yes, of course. Is and he a, really? I didn't know oh, yeah. that. Okay. Oh yeah, bird okay. hunt, bird hunter, elk hunter. His uh, very cool. He and his brother are big time elk hunters, um, bow hunters. But anyway, yeah, really good dude. Got an incredible voice, and it's really easy to listen to. And uh, he's doing woodcock shooting in our and all of our future ones. And actually, AJ and I are just trying to find the scheme away to hire him to do all of the on the go stuff too. <laughs> so and, that and, and honestly, the transparency of that is. You know, we got to keep the lights on and it's a matter of finding whatever sponsor wants to sit in front of that, you know, podcast name to say. And, and you know, true to Project Upland form, I don't care what brand you are, we don't allow people to influence our editorial. So if you're going to, you know, and you know what, most brands are cool with that at this point um, because we've proven ourselves so it's just a matter of saying, hey, listen, like if you want your brand named for recognition and the beginning of every one of these, you know, on the go podcasts, we are going to get this all funded and we could care less whether we make a profit on it or not. The reality is, is that Chet and I just don't have the time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why the last episode was in September before hunting season started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Progressive downward spiral from there because... But we're rabbit we're rabbit trailing away from my amazing segue. I know the segue from, was there. Yeah, where was the same the the the, the voiceover the artist segue is, is public the same voiceover yeah. artist for the public grouse teaser. Boom. Well, Nick, I feel like Nick. Well, first of all, for anybody who hasn't heard of Public Grouse, Public Grouse, one hour feature film, give or take. Why don't you, um, why don't, why don't you let Nick introduce it? Well, well and that's what I'm saying. But Nick has a segment in it, which and before you get into your segment to talk about what the film is really built about, because you can talk about kind of a micro segment. There was eight segments of this film. We did Alaska uh, for sooty grouse in the spring. We did sage grouse on lecking grounds. We did uh, ptarmigan with Matt Harding down in Utah on a destination hunt. We did obviously sharp tails with you um, in North Dakota, along with a number of other people. We did uh, spruce grouse in Minnesota, with three uh, female biologists. We did rough grouse in North Carolina with a couple people from uh, BHA, some people involved in RGS, and then uh, Darrell Smith from Gundog Notebook. And then we did uh, rough grouse as well in New Hampshire with myself, Ben Jones, who was the focus, the president of the Rough Grouse Society, and Joe Levesque, uh, the regional uh, director of the Rough Grouse Society up where I am, who's a dear friend of mine. Did I forget a segment? I feel like I forgot a segment. No, I think you hit them all. You hit them all. But let's, before we get dive too deep, let's talk about how it came together. You know, the inspiration and you mentioned backcountry hunters and anglers there, but like I've, I've hinted at this public grouse thing. I've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but ultimately where did the inspiration come from? And, and Chet, maybe I know you were involved with conversations with BHA real early. Yeah. So it's actually a super tangled web, but I'll kind of give the the cliff notes version is I get a text from a buddy who lives up about an hour and a half north of me in Coeur d'Alene. And um, actually, he was a guy that uh, I hunted with in Hell's Canyon. So, gosh, three years ago now. So anyway, he hits me up. He's like, hey, he's like, are you coming to the pint night tonight up in Hayden Lake? And I was like, well, I wasn't planning on it. He's like, well, I ran into Lantani at North 40 Outfitters and he's going to be there. And I told him that he that he should meet you. And I was like, oh. I was like, well, okay, you know, and usually I don't drive two hours, but I was like, hey, you know, it's a, I'd like to meet him and I'd like to, and I, and I like the pint night things. <laughs> so it was at a cool place. So I made the drive up there, basically get introduced to land. And it actually turns out that my buddy, Adam, 
who told me that I needed to come up there, he had like pinned land down for like 45 minutes at North 40, like blabbing about Project Upland. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Landon's like, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, thanks, Adam. So, so we're just kind of just BSing a little bit. And then, and then finally I was like, man, you know, like we're going to, I was like, Hey, listen, I'm going to call you next week. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to pitch you some crazy idea, you know, like something big. And he's like, Oh man, I love big, I love crazy cool. Like whatever. So then, uh, I get in the truck and start driving home and I call AJ. I'm like, Hey dude, what crazy idea can I pitch BHA next week? <laughs> and so and, I can and, only imagine. <laughs> and so no, but honestly it was like almost off the top of his head. And he was just like, dude, he goes public yep. grouse. Yep. And I was like, all right. And so we started just kind of spitballing about it. And, uh, and it was just kind of like really kind of came together. We're like, man, this is one of those things. Like, I mean, there's, they're wild birds. They're, public land dependent like it kind of checked all the boxes and then I, and then basically i was like man but it needs to be something that, and and we had been oh gosh i mean for years now talking about doing like a longer form hour long type of feature film and uh, i was like well this is the time to pull that trigger and i go but it's got to be more than that i go i think we should do a do a film tour so like yeah. basically because i grew up and spent like all my formative like teenage years like attending uh, surf film tours. I, I grew up in California on the coast. And I remember that like there would be these like really rad, like Endless Summer is probably the most well-known Endless Summer 2 anyway. And it was like that went on tour. And there was um, all these, you know, just epic surf films. There were like these cult phenomenons that it would just hit every beach town down the coast. And if you were lucky, you'd, sh- you'd be able to like show up and, pay 10 bucks and you watch this awesome film and they'd have live music and beer and whatever else. And it was just these like amazing events. And so I was like, dude, like we need to take this on tour. Now, again, this is nothing new. There's a fly fishing film tour and, right. and BHA does their rendezvous stuff. And yet he's done a couple different things, but I was like, man, I really feel like this is kind of the, this is a really cool winning thing. And then the next week um, I was actually out driving between Denver and Colby, Kansas to go hunt with uh, Hank Shaw. And I called Land. I go, hey, dude. I go, this is the idea. And I and I basically kind of told him, and he was just like, dude, that's awesome. Let's do it. I mean, it was like that simple. It really was that simple. So then we basically kind of put some stuff together and really started actually laying the actual groundwork of, you know, this is what we're doing. And we were like, well, how are we going to pay for this thing? I go, you know, I think we can rally, get some corporate support behind it. For you know, we each have partners. And he's like, all right, cool. And so then, by the time it actually ended up coming all together with contracts and all that stuff. It was like a week before the Alaska hunting season was open, and we had we had no support because we had we were just getting our ducks in a row, and it was like, well, dude, are we doing this or what? And so AJ and I were like, well, we you know we just got to pull the trigger and go because if it doesn't get support, we're, I guess we're footing the bill. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so yeah. so we said it was well, cool. That's all we. <laughs> Yeah, in that true was, Project that... Upland fashion, we were like, all right, uh, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> this is this is hip. Well, yeah, yeah, but again, but as, <laughs> as the uh, as the partner that needs to make sure that you know that the, we can actually pay for flights, that AJ and, doesn't go off the and, deep end. Uh, is what he's trying to say, so I'll say it for him. Jet's job is to make sure that none of us get too crazy. Well, yeah, I, I, as as a resident Gen Xer in the room, he makes sure we all stay in line because AJ can start leading some. I just, I just crazy make sure rabbit hole. I just make sure they stay off my lawn and the bills get paid, you know? So, <laughs> anyway, um, 
So basically, we were just like, shoot, let's do it. So we booked Will on a plane to Alaska. And Which, uh, this would have been this would have been spring this of this spring, year. Yeah, the spring yeah. of this year. And so um, it was kind of it was and it was really cool because it was like rounding the bend, you know, um, on I guess I guess we'd already gone. I mean, Will had gone to Utah. Cause so so Will Sensing, who's made quite a few of our short films, um, he's the kind of the lead filmmaker in this whole thing. He's he's uh, he's the boots on the ground. And so we've been keeping him busy. And Will went through with this film and he just did incredible stuff. You know, and I know Chet told me as of today, Friday in December, that we were supposed to receive the full cut, which I figured he'd be more midweek next week (laughs) Uh, because I notoriously deliver every single. No, no. He texted me while we're on the call and he said, update on public grouse. I've got the first half of the edit uploading Juneau, Montana, Utah, and the other half will be coming soon, probably on Monday. Epic. Anyways, if long story short. Obviously, we've taken this for the long form. The thing about Public Grouse was for us to move into the idea of long form content. What long form quality content? I'm not interested in producing a television show. Northwoods Collective, which is the company that we truly are, which is no different than Project Upland. Um, It's a company that Chet and I started together. It was about media production. We have done cable television. We did it with fishing. And one thing I learned for producing three seasons of a fishing show is that Having a hard stop, you know, that 22 and a half minutes with commercials or whatever else can mean two things. Either you need to cut too much or there's not enough to actually make it. And the importance of a brand like Project Uplane is we have the opportunity to work with things that make sense as a YouTube platform or as projectupland.com or in this case, uh, Public Grouse and a BHA film tour. Um, we have the opportunity to take the time to take the exact time that makes sense to tell the story. And I think that that's so important to the authenticity of, of any brand. And the fluidity of the platforms that we work with allows that because we aren't on cable television, which I'm not necessarily trying to down cable television shows because, I again, I understand the restrictions. I've been there. I've done it. We're still doing it, you know, as Northwoods Collective. But um, that's an important part of our brand is, is about using platforms that make sense to the authenticity of the story, um, to use people and to use storytellers and all these things, because everybody's heard me say this on every podcast. It's not about AJ hunting the world, 12 different ways, 12 different species, 12 different films. It's about 12 different people, 12 different stories telling what it truly is. Well, I think, I think an important part of that too, is that there's a proper role for the amateur in the true sense of the word that, you know, amateur just means a lover, you know, is someone that is, that is, you know, loves and is passionate and humble enough to listen about certain things. Right. So, so when you start pretending to be an expert, when people cry foul, right. (laughs) But, but to be, to be a passionate enthusiast, I think is the proper role we should all take in that where it's like, Hey, I just found this out. How rad is this? Let me share it with you. And that's what this is about. It's about celebrating what upland hunting actually has to offer. It's about celebrating the relationship between gun dogs. It, it, it's all of those things. And I feel like I went off in such a deep end. But public grouse yeah, we were, we're talking that. about we were talking about public grouse. Public <laughs> yeah, grouse. we were for a minute. <laughs> public grouse, public grouse right. is that story. Public grouse is the story simply about the fact that. If it wasn't for public lands in North America, we wouldn't have the story, period. 
what, what, one last, I, and I want to throw a corporate word onto public crowds because this, this is actually really cool. So, um, and of course this is my job. So basically we, we shot this entire film and I think that we had one stop, North Carolina, our final stop. And, you know, we're good friends with the guys at Onyx and the, and the folks over at, um, Yukonuba. And, you know, and I, and I was kind of, you know, beating bushes and raising, trying to raise support for the film. And finally, you know, I put it in front of Yukonuba was actually the first one to lend their support. And it was really cool because, I mean, ironically, you know, most of the dogs on the film were already being fed Yukonuba. And I was like, well, that kind of works out great, <laughs> doesn't it? And then on top of that, you know, talking with the guys at Onyx and, and uh, they were like, well, we want to make sure that this is like a good organic fit. And I was like, guys, do you really think you could hunt public land anymore without Onyx? Like, we talking about her? Right. Like, there's every single person in this film, like, you know, we have hours of footage of them looking at their phone and zooming and, you know, and and, uh, and dropping waypoints. I go, I go, guys, this, you know, you guys have been such a champion of public, public lands. And so, you know, again, we're just so grateful for these just phenomenal partners that have really got behind this thing in, in a major way. And so, you know, again... These kind of projects, you know, if this would, if I let's put it this way, if had we been unable to rouse the support that we have for this film, it would have been very difficult to do projects, continue to do projects of this scale in the future. So, you know, we we're incredibly grateful um, for our partners and for what they what they contribute to the community. And uh, I mean, we obviously, can't say enough good stuff about them. So we're fired up. You know, we we booked. Uh, and also, the, originally, this was only supposed to be twelve cities, and then uh, the BHA, you know, folks got so fired up about it, and uh, so Tim Brass, who's um, one of their the lead guys over there, just a phenomenal dude in his own way, and uh, Tim would hit me up like every three days, like, "Hey, so and so in Laramie wants to do a showing," and so you know, like he kept adding dates, and by the end of it, all of a sudden, I was like, uh, I "Told HA, we got twenty dates, man, twenty <laughs> so, cities, twenty twenty <laughs> cities." And even since then, there's been, you know, more people being like, hey, like, let's do an encore. And I'm like, okay, right. you know, let's, right. let's nail this one first and, uh, and really have that go well. And we got some, hopefully, some really cool plans on the digital side that we can't really talk about just yet. We got some exciting stuff coming down that pipe, too. And then we're already looking towards, you know, what's the follow-up to this? I don't know if AJ wants to, wants to hint at. Well, what's you know, the, you know what's funny is I, I, Chad, you gotta go to you gotta go to dinner, don't you? I, I gotta go. I got. Right I got. No, I gotta eat a steak in like ten minutes, guys. So let's. Uh, All right. I know. Um, I was talking to Hip Uplander about this, which no, as people oh, that's like, that's a that's a name drop. Let me pick up that name that you just. That's dropped a right huge there. name drop. <laughs> Although <laughs> Hip Uplander, the Hip Uplander's name has already been dropped on the podcast episode number eighty six. I don't know if you guys listened uh, to it, see, but you got a number and everything. Holy Joel, shit. well, Joel Joel Pincala brought up the Hip Uplander, and I I was thinking that was probably the first mention, but that's another thing well, that happened in twenty nineteen for this one. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> the so, hip hop lander was was born in 2019, but anyways, so continue. <laughs> there was a little bit of an exchange of conversations uh, a couple days ago about it, and uh, a lot of people started using the hashtag public quail as a result of public grouse. So <laughs> there's definitely a conversation that if there is going to be an answer to this film, it will be public quail. However, what I do know is is that Project Upland has decided that. Every year we will do a feature film, meaning, you know, a feature length content. So one hour ish piece of content staying to the core of what Project Upland is, 
and the hardcore nature of the Woodcock Hunters involved in the brand, we have decided that 2020 we are filming what's called Wandering Souls, which is hunting Woodcock in the Central Flyway. Sorry, Eastern people, I'm one of you. From the northern reaches of the Central Flyway all the way down to Louisiana. The idea is to show the people, the places, the everything from the cooking, the culture. And we're going to hit some people that are kind of some of our regulars and then some people that we've never spent time with. Especially in the northern reaches tends to be our re- like people that we spend a lot of time with. I'm not going to mention any specific camp traditions every yeah, year. No, don't, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Fine. We give away too much. It's going to exactly. chase the migrate, chase the yeah. migration from from Canada North to the itself. south. That's yeah. why I am not going to make it to New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. hunt woodcock in Louisiana and potentially East Texas as well. We've talked about that. So yeah, yeah. The, I, the, the whole Central Flyway is fair game. So we're at the preliminary stages of the logistics of all of it. But yeah. ask anyway. So cool things. Yeah. Before we ramble on too much longer, I mean, we talked about a bunch of stuff here. All that to say, 2019 was a was a really great year for Project Upland. It was a fun fun year to be a part of it, and it's just building towards an even bigger and better 2020. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming to you, including the public grouse, which is going to be the biggest undertaking, you know, in your face, 20 cities across the country. It'll be kind of boots on the ground. We'll be there. We're, we're going to be, uh, at least a couple of us are probably going to be at Pheasant Fest. We're going to be at as many places as we can. So stay tuned, stick with us. We got lots more for you and 2020 is going to be a great year. So I'll, I'll toss it over to you, AJ. Any final thoughts here before we close? Um, I mean, honestly, just on that sentiment about it being everybody, just getting down to this idea that the belief of the future is that it's not about one person. And I think the biggest thing I can do about that is thank you for all of the community who's embraced Project Upland. Good deal, AJ. All right, Chet, what about you, man? Thank you for letting us be a part of this. And, uh, and we, uh, we're definitely fired up about 2020 and beyond. And uh, we have some great stuff cooking, I think, and really excited to, to share it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for jumping on. Happy New Year to you guys, everybody listening. Let's go do it in 2020. Thank you. All right. Have a good weekend, guys. You too, buddy. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Project Upland podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. The podcast is also brought to you by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp, Dogs or Collars, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, Gumleaf USA, Gordian Sons Outfitters, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, and share the podcast post. You could be next week's winner of the Project Upland Podcast giveaway. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode. This is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.